All right. Thank you. Uh, I feel the love. Thank you. Oh, man. Uh, you look so summery. I thought about wearing shorts, but you don't want to see that. So uh, I'm glad to be here. Hey, um, if you have a Bible, uh, please grab it and turn to Psalm 101. If you're new to the Bible, it's right smack in the middle. You'll find Psalms and Proverbs. Psalm 101. Uh, Jose called me a few weeks ago and asked if I was available to share, and I, uh, I jumped at the chance, and he said, you can do anything you want. And uh, so we're t we are taking a break from your series, Love My Neighbor, and he goes, just preach on anything you want, which if you're a, uh, one who teaches the Bible, you go, wow, on anything I want. And then you look at the Bible and you go, whoa, on what? <laughs> because there's so much in here. But the Lord after praying, really laid a message on my heart that I'm excited to share with you from Psalm 101. Now, you look really comfortable, but I'm going to ask you to stand up. Let's stand up together, and uh, <clears throat> then you can get comfortable after this. I want us to read this psalm out loud together uh, before we pray. You know, the New Testament actually says we are to give attention to the public reading of Scripture. And so, this is the public, and we're going to read it together. So, I want you to read it out loud with me, nice and loud. Here we go, Psalm 101. I will sing of your loving kindness and justice. To you, O Lord, I will sing praises. I will be careful to lead a blameless life. When will you come to me? I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not fasten its grip on me. The perverse of heart shall be far from me. I will have nothing to do with what is evil. Whoever slanders their neighbor in secret, I will put to silence. Whoever has haughty eyes and a proud heart, I will not tolerate. My eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a blameless way is the one who will minister to me. No one who practices deceit will dwell in my house. No one who speaks falsely will stand in my presence. Every morning I will put to silence all the wicked in the land. I will cut off every evildoer from the city of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the Word of God, which is living and active and alive. As it says, Lord, in your Word, all Scripture is inspired by God, is God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for correction, for training in righteousness that we might be able to follow your way, walk in your ways, follow you, and live lives that glorify you. So thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to look into your Word. We know you are speaking, so I pray for all of us, myself included, that we would tune in to what you want to say to us personally what you want to say to our families, and what you want to say to 26 West today. And would you use this time for your glory in Jesus' name? Everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right, now you can plop down and get comfortable. <laughs> Last month, my wife and I celebrated our 40th wedding anniversary. Yeah. I'm getting older. <laughs> And uh, to celebrate, we, uh, we did a road trip, uh, a slow road trip down to our honeymoon spot in Carmel, California. We don't go there very often because it's way too expensive now. But anyway, 
we had a great time together. And uh, our family, our, with our kids and, and their spouses, we have a family group text, which a lot of you, I'm sure, have as well. Our family is filled up with a bunch of Star Wars nerds. So the group text in our family is, the force is strong in my family. <laughs> anyway, so we were getting all these texts from, you know, our kids and our, uh, you know, saying, yeah, well done, mom and dad, congratulations, happy for you. And then I got this one from John Mark, dad, you've been married longer than I've been alive. <laughs> to which I replied, well, son, that's the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> supposed to get married and then have kids. This is God's plan. Now, 40 years, if you're a newly married here, may sound like a long time, and it is, but my parents were married 56 years before my dad went to be with the Lord. Diane's parents were married 62 years before her dad got sick and went to be with the Lord. Both sets of our parents set an example of faithfulness for us, Diane and me, to follow in their steps. Now it's our turn to set an example for our kids of faithfulness so that they can follow in our steps. As we just read Psalm 101, I'm sure you notice that there's a theme that just leaps off the page at you, and it's the theme of faithfulness, especially in verse 6 where David says, my eyes will be on the faithful of the land. And that's what the Lord has led me to talk to you about today. So <clears throat> what we're going to do, here's the plan. We're going to unpack this psalm, just walk through it, and then I want to talk to you about why it's so important to stay faithful. Sound like a plan? Good, because there's no other plan. All right, Psalm 101 is a psalm of David. You probably noticed that. He's the king of Israel. But this psalm is also called a royal psalm, if you do the study on it, because it looks forward to the coming of the Messiah, the new David, who will one day rule and reign in perfect righteousness. That day when, as Habakkuk chapter 2 says, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I can't wait for that day when it says in the Old Testament, all shall know me and Jesus will rule and reign in righteousness. Now, Psalm 101 lays out the ideal uh, ruler that David wants to be and those who will follow him are to be as well, all the way through to the day when Jesus the Messiah would come and rule in perfect righteousness. Now, remember, when you look at the book of Psalms, they're songs, they were sung. And some commentators believe that this particular psalm was a song that was sung at David's, as David's inaugural address when he was crowned king of Israel, sort of like the president putting their hand on the Bible and swearing the oath of office. If that's the case, then David is a young man when he, penned the word, when he pens the words of this psalm, a godly young man with a deep desire to be faithful to the Lord, both in the way he lives his life and the way he rules the nation. Now, as we unpack this psalm, we need to realize, though, the principles in it aren't just for kings. Most of us, I mean, none of us are the president of the United States. We're not kings. Most of us aren't rulers. But the principles set up for a godly nation are the same ones that make for a godly person, a faithful husband, a godly wife, an honest businessman or a woman, and a God-centered home. So there's something here for you and for me, a godly son or daughter, if that's you as well, today. Now, let's take a look at it. I love the way David begins in worship. Look at verse 1. He says, I will sing of your love and justice. To you, O Lord, I will sing praises. 
Reminds me of a verse that I memorized a long time ago, Psalm 35, 28. And my tongue shall declare your righteousness and your praise all day long. Say that with me out loud. Here we go. And my tongue shall declare your righteousness and your praise all day long. That's the way to go through the day. So much better than grumbling and complaining and scoffing. You know, I can complain with the best of them, but you know, sometimes you're going through a hard time and somebody's trying to encourage you. They go, you know, the Lord loves you, you know? In fact, you know, he, he's, he's working in this and you go, right, I don't feel it. That's called not just grumbling, that's called scoffing. And you know, there's a verse in the Bible about scoffing, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 12, if you scoff, you alone will bear it. <laughs> so I have written in my Bible, no one likes a scoffer. <laughs> So if you're going to grumble and complain and scoff, don't be surprised that people are fleeing from you because they don't want to be around you because you're, you're sinking in your own misery. <laughs> Not only, though, will people flee from you, it's an affront to God who's done so much for you, who's been so good to you. You know, I was driving. I live over in the Lake Oswego area, so I was driving out here this morning. I was going down 217, which I've done like you hundreds of times, and suddenly it flashed in my brain the first time I remember driving 217 which was in 1992, 26 years ago when I first moved up here from California to go on staff at a church. And I had my kids in the car, including Matthew, who was two months old at the time. And I'm pulling down 217, and I realized that was 26 years ago. And here I am on 217 again. <laughs> and yet I looked back and looked at all the faithfulness of God for the past 26 years. My son Matt is 26 now, and he's walking with Jesus. And then I can go way back before that and all the times he was faithful to me when I lived in California. He's a faithful God and to grumble and complain is a, an affront to him. David says, I'm going to begin my day and I'm going to begin my reign as king singing praises. Wow. I want to be like David, don't you? I mean, this is the way to do it. So lately I noticed that I don't, you know, I, I, I play a good little bit of guitar and some other instruments. So I have this guitar sitting in my office, but I never play it. So I decided, you know what? I'm reading, I read a psalm every morning, and a bunch of them say, sing praise to the Lord, and so I thought, I'm going to start doing it. So I picked up my guitar, and I started singing. I sang a little song this morning without my guitar. I just sang it. And maybe you say, well, I don't play the guitar. Well, you don't need a guitar to sing praises. You say, well, I can't sing like Brandon. Neither can I. If you're a lousy singer, just make sure you're by yourself, all right? And then let it fly, because it's beautiful to God. Many of you know the story of my wife who at 26 years old started to lose her hearing. Over the next period of years, she went completely deaf. She's able to hear when she puts this device on, but with it off, she hears nothing. But I stand next to her in church when we're worshiping and singing, and I hear her voice, and it's completely off key. She's singing in the wrong key, but I look at her face. She's, my wife's a worshiper, and I'm, and I'm thinking, God just loves this. He sees her heart. He hears her voice, and though she's off key, it's so beautiful to him. You say, well, okay, Phil, I'll give it a shot. What do I sing? What do I sing about? Well, look at what David's singing about. He's singing about God's loving kindness and justice. By the way, we just sang about it too. We just said, Jesus, you are mercy. Jesus, you are justice. We just sang about his love and mercy right there. And that's what David's singing about, God's loving kindness, his loyal devotion, his faithfulness, and then his judgments, his justice, the fact that he also judges sin. God is this perfect mixture of loving kindness and justice. Only he can weave together the perfect balance between these two things. He does it right every time. 
David wanted his reign to be characterized by loving kindness and justice, this balance, because that's the way God rules his world. Look at verse 2. He goes on, I will be careful to lead a blameless life. He's like making this oath of how he wants to rule as king and how he wants to be. I will be careful to lead a blameless life. When will you come to me? He's talking to the Lord. Staying faithful in your marriage, with your family, in your business, begins with a firm commitment and a deep desire to please the Lord in all that you do. And that's what David has here. He knew this. He says, I will be careful to lead a blameless life. If you look through the psalm, eight times in this psalm, he says, I will, I will, I will, I will. He says it eight times. Living a life of faithfulness doesn't just happen. David knew this. We need to be like David. We also need to be like Daniel. If you read about Daniel in chapter 1, he purposed in his heart that he would not sin against the Lord. Another translation says he made up his mind. That's what David is doing. Somebody said, if you aim for nothing, you'll hit it every time. <laughs> so David is at least saying, I'm going to aim for this. I want to be careful to lead a blameless life. Now, if you're taking notes, blameless does not mean sinless. There's only one who is sinless, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Blameless means above reproach. It means that you're living a life of truth. Nobody can point the finger at you and say, you know what, you call yourself a Christian, but I know you because I see you cheating on your wife, or I do your taxes and you ask me to lie on them. You know, I, there's nobody can point the finger of blame. There's no double life going on. There's no hypocrisy going on. You're walking in the light as he is in the light. That's what David is saying. I want to be that kind of man. I want to live a life pleasing to God. Why? Because he wanted to stay close to God. He said, when will you come to me? See, David loved the Lord, and he wanted to be intimate with the Lord. And whenever we sin, we're distanced from the Lord. In Jesus, our sin is forgiven. We're going to celebrate that in communion. But if I'm walking in sin, if I haven't confessed it, I'm not going to feel close to the Lord. And I can't really draw near to Him until I ask Him to cleanse me. And then we can have fellowship again because sin breaks fellowship. And so David, is that's what he means when he says, when will you come to me, Lord? I want to live a blameless life. That's when we'll be close to each other. In Psalm 15, he puts it this way. He asks this question, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? He answers his own question. The one whose walk is blameless, who does, who does what is righteous. He who does these things will never be shaken. So he has this deep desire to please the Lord. Now, if you know the Bible, maybe some of you are thinking, yeah, Phil, but didn't he mess up? <laughs> yeah, he messed up big time. Committed adultery with Bathsheba. Uh, arranged to have Bathsheba's husband murdered, but that was way later in his life. And if you study the life of David, he completely repented of that, and God completely forgave him, so much so that in the book of Acts, he's called a man after God's heart who will do all my will. But if you study the life of David, when he forsook the Lord in that way, his life was never the same again. It was disaster that struck both his family and even his kingdom. But here, as a young man, his desire is to live a godly life. And if you're a young person here, if you're a middle schooler, or, uh, middle schoolers are out, okay, well, whatever. If you're a college student or a high schooler student or whatever, now's the time to decide. The younger you to de decide, I'm going to be a faithful man of God. I'm going to be a faithful young woman of God. Then you have your whole life ahead of you. Go for it. Do it now. 
Now, as followers of Jesus, we live a couple thousand years you know, past Jesus, let alone past David. We know that when Jesus ascended to the Father after His resurrection, He sent the Holy Spirit. And when you and I give our lives to Jesus, we are indwelt by the Spirit of God, and the power to actually stay faithful comes from the Lord who lives within us. We'll talk about that at the very end of the message. But still, even though we have the Holy Spirit, we have to ask ourselves, does the Holy Spirit have us? I still have to choose to walk in the Spirit and to be filled with the Spirit. David, he made his choice. Let's read on. He says, I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. This is the fourth time he says, I will. I will walk within my house. Now, he's the king of Israel, but he knows that integrity, staying faithful, it's going to start in his heart, and then it has to be lived out in his home where the rubber meets the road, so to speak, before it moves on to the kingdom, in his case, or to, for us, to our workplace. He said, I will walk within my house in faithfulness, in the integrity of my heart. In his own home, he was out of sight from the people. They didn't see what was going on inside of his house, but the Lord saw, and he knew he needed to be a godly man in his own home before he could care for God's people. And by the way, that's always been God's plan. If you look into the New Testament and look at the church, 1 Timothy chapter 3 says the church is to be shepherded by elders, and it lists their qualifications. They're to be men who, first of all, are blameless, <laughs> not sinless, but blameless. In other words, an elder, you can't point the finger at them and say, you know, you call yourself an elder, but I know this about you. No, they're to be blameless. The next one is they're to be the husband of one wife. Literally in Greek, it's one woman man. In other words, all their affection is for their wife and their wife only. Then it goes on to say they have to manage their own household well, keeping their children under control with all dignity, because if they can't take care of their own house, how will they take care of the church of God? And so it's the same qualifications for elders in the church today as David's crying out for here way back in Psalm 101. And I'm happy to tell you, because I know the elders of this church, that's the kind of men who shepherd this church. They're blameless, they're men of integrity, they love their wives, they love their families, and they love you. And so if you're new here, you can know that this church is under the leadership of Jesus Christ, but those who serve in leadership under the Lord are these kind of faithful men that David's talking about here. Now, integrity or character, maybe you've heard this definition before, is who you are when nobody's watching. <laughs> when nobody's watching. I heard this story, I actually read it just a couple days ago, true story of a, a couple with a little baby, and they were visiting friends, and they put their baby to sleep in one bedroom, and they were in the guest bedroom, and they got into this big old fight, like yelling fight. The husband's yelling at the wife, and she's yelling back, and they're just getting into it, and, and their friends are out in the other room, and all of a sudden, the wife goes, oh, the baby monitor. And the guy goes, no, I turned it off. And he starts yelling at her again. Well, they found out it wasn't turned off, and their friends were listening to the whole conversation, you know? And he walks out, and he goes, you guys okay? Oh, yeah, we're fine, you know? But the whole conversation was being listened to, and, and we, we think, whoa, that'd be my worst nightmare, you know? But listen, the Lord... He knows everything. He hears everything we say. If, if, I, if I am unkind to my wife and I say something unkind to her, he hears it. And when he convicts me, I need to ask her forgiveness because I didn't speak to her in a way that the Lord wants me to speak to her. And so in our home where life is really lived out, uh, we want to be men and women of integrity. Job, the oldest book in the Bible, Job said this in Job 27 verse 5, until I die... I will not put my integrity away from me. 
In other words, I'm going to be faithful to the Lord all the way until I die. And he lived a really long time. The Bible says that he saw his sons and his grandsons four generations. But he was a godly, faithful man. Now, in verse 3, David gets more specific. Look at, look at verse 3. He said, I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. The word worthless there, remember the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and Aramaic. It's, it means good for nothing, just worthless, also wicked. I love the way the New Living translates this verse. I will live a life of integrity in my own home. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. You see, the eyes are important because what our eyes fixate on, often then our heart begins to dwell on. And David says, I'm not going to stare at or contemplate or dwell on things which are morally wicked or wrong. I don't want to even look at them. <laughs> Think about most movies, songs, a bunch of the stuff that's on social media. It's completely contrary to the purity and beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I need to make decisions. You know, have you ever just got up and walked out of a movie or turned, turned it off? I and mean, we have to make decisions if we're going to be like David. David said, I don't want any part of it. He goes on, I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not fasten its grip on me. He said, I'm not going to fall away. I'm going to stay faithful. If you desire, like David, to stay faithful, there will be times that you'll have to make decisions. In fact, quite regularly to turn away, look away, even run away from sin so you don't fall away. And that's what he's saying. It's not going to fasten. Sin is not going to fasten its grip on me. One of the things about getting older is you have many years to look back on and see the stories of people's lives. My wife and I started out in ministry 40 years ago with some great people, and, and they started so well, and many, many crashed and burned along the way, and guys cheated on their wives, and, and in every case, anybody who turned away or looked away or fell away, the result was a different form of disaster. They didn't stay faithful. They started out faithful, but they didn't stay faithful, and yes, it's all forgiven, but Look what happens in their life and to the next generation. As followers of Jesus, we need to remember, once you're saved, you're not saved to a picnic. You're saved into a battle. Read Ephesians chapter 6. There's a war going on. We have three enemies. As a Christian, you have the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world pulls at you. Hey, you need this. You need that. Man, go try that out. The flesh cries out to you. Hey, go ahead. Do it. You know, it's like, hey, God forgave it all. And Satan, he's out to destroy you. Jesus said that. He said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came, he said, that you might have life. So we have to make a decision. It says in James chapter 4, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Choosing to flee the things that are not good for us. Now, let's read on. Verse 4, David's not done. He said, the perverse of heart shall be far from me. I will have nothing to do with what is evil. Whoever slanders their neighbor in secret, I will put to silence. Whoever has haughty eyes and a proud heart, I will not tolerate. David's describing here and declaring how a life, a family, a home, a business, and a nation ought to be run. Not just what the things that should be done, but the things that won't and can't be tolerated. Because both go hand in hand. David is saying, I'm not going to hang out with Eric. God is opposed to the proud. I'm not going to hang out with proud people either because he doesn't. 
He's opposed to the proud, I will be too. And then verse 6, my favorite verse. I memorized it a long time ago. My eyes, David says, shall be upon the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a blameless way is the one who will minister to me. That's who's going to be in my cabinet, he's saying. That's the kind of people I'm going to surround myself with. The blameless, the ones who have integrity, the ones who are faithful, they're going to serve with me in my kingdom as I rule. I'm not going to hang out with arrogant people. Instead, I'm going to surround myself with faithful people. Because he knew the truth of Proverbs 13, verse 20. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Proverbs says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And David knew he needed to be around faithful people that would spur him on to stay faithful in his own life. So I ask you, the people that you're around regularly, are they helping you grow in the Lord or are they pulling you away from the Lord? And I'm, I'm not saying we're not supposed to be involved in people's lives who need the Lord. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, what I'm saying is those that are your intimate circle, your closest friends, are they helping you grow or not? David says, I'm going to surround myself with faithful people. Now, this word faithful, remember the New Testament was translated in Greek, and the Greek word translated faithful means trustworthy, true, faithful. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. If, if you're a trustworthy person, a faithful person, and you tell me you're going to do something, you're going to do it. The Hebrew word, remember, we're reading Psalm 101. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew and a little bit in Aramaic. And so the Hebrew word translated faithful is a little different. Uh, it's the word amen, sounds like amen, and it means to build up or support as a parent does a child. Then figuratively, it means to be firm and steadfast. And so it's interesting, there's this illustration of a parent supporting a child. I watched this happening with my daughter Elizabeth who just had her fourth child, a little daughter two months old, named, they named her Sloan, and she's my seventh grandchild. I happen to have a picture right here. Here she is. Yeah. Oh, thank you for the awe. Shameless promotion. You're saying you're showing this picture of grandkid. Yeah, if they ever ask you to preach here, you can put your grandkid up there too. All right. <laughs> but, but I didn't put this up here to, to show her off, although I am. Um, look at that beautiful little girl. If she's left alone, she will die but her parents are never going to leave her alone. They're going to faithfully and firmly support her. When she's two years old, they're not going to say, want me to throw you up in the air? Woo! <laughs> no, they're going to catch her. My wife feeds her, cares for her. Brooke kisses her, loves her, and they will be faithful to her for as long as she lives. This is the picture of the Hebrew word Faithful, as a parent faithfully and firmly supports a child. That's what faithfulness is. But why is it important to stay faithful? Remember, I said we wanted to unpack the psalm, and then I want to talk to you about why it's important. You can put my granddaughter down now. All right. Although she is cool looking. All right. Uh, why is it important? I'm going to give you two reasons why it's important to stay faithful. If you're taking notes, write them down. Number one, faithfulness is what the Lord requires. First of all, we need to remember that God is faithful. Listen to Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. By the way, notice that's plural. His loving kindness says. He's not, he's not kind to you once. He's kind to you again and again and again and again, and he will never stop. His loving kindnesses never cease. 
for his compassions, plural, never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy what? Faithfulness. And 2 Timothy 2.13 says that even if we are faithless, he, can't, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. God is faithful. It's, it's who he is, so he cannot be unfaithful. Now, this faithful God just asks you and I to follow him and to be faithful to him and to walk in his ways. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. But he requires faithfulness. You say, Phil, where do you get that? Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. In other words, to stay faithful. This is God's heart. This is what he requires. This is what he desires. This is what he wants. So much so that he's looking all the time to see if you're being faithful so he can bless you more and give you even more responsibility. Another verse I memorized years ago that I love, 2 Chronicles 16, 9. The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. To me, it's the picture of a lighthouse going around. God's eyes of the Lord move to and fro. There, I see him. He is faithful. I'm going to bless that guy. Look at her. Look at that young gal right there. She is walking with me. She's honoring me. Look at that older man. Over and he sees those who are faithful. His eyes see it. And he says, I'm going to strongly support that person. I want to be that person. Will he find you? Faithfulness is what he's looking for. It's like that song we used to sing a while ago. Faithfulness, faithfulness is what I long for. Remember that song? Faithfulness what I need. Faithfulness, faithfulness is what you want from me. Take my heart and mold it. Take my mind, transform it. Take my will, conform it to yours. You know, it was a great song. Lord, this is what you want from me. Faithfulness is what God requires. The second reason it's faithfulness is important is because faithfulness is what the Lord rewards. It's what he requires. It's also what he rewards. Listen to the parable of the talents from Matthew chapter 25. Jesus said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were what? Faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. He doesn't say, well done, good and faithful servant. You were amazing. You were famous. You are awesome. I'm going to give you more awesome stuff to do. No. He says, you were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Faithfulness is what God rewards. John G. Mitchell, who founded Multnomah University, said this, and I heard it, I heard it from him when he was 89 years old. One day he said, God doesn't reward greatness. He rewards faithfulness. In America, everybody wants to be rich and famous. American Idol. You, we have to decide, faithful or famous? What are you going to go for? Me, I want to go for faithfulness. Now, maybe you're thinking, you know what? I just love the Lord. I'm, I don't want to stay faithful to get a reward out of it. I just love him. Well, that's great. But nevertheless, it's in the Bible. He wants to reward you. He rewards faithfulness. Now, because we all need practical Bible teaching that makes a difference in our life on Monday morning, before we call it a day, I want to give you three things that can derail you in your quest to stay faithful. And I want to give you three areas of your life that you want to be sure and stay faithful in. So if you're taking notes, write them down. The first thing to watch out for that can derail you if you want to be a faithful man or woman is the love of money. 
Listen to 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith. Now, this verse gets misquoted all the time as money is the root of all sorts of evil. That's not what the Bible says. It says the love of money is a root. It's one of many roots. But those who pursue money and getting rich apart from the Lord, that's their, that's their pursuit. Some have wandered away from the faith. That's why Jesus said you can't serve God and money, okay? You can't serve two masters. But then he said this, if you have not been, this is Jesus talking, if you have not been faithful in handling worldly wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? So money then is a test of faithfulness. Are we stewards of it? Do we understand that we're not going to take anything with us when we go to heaven, right? You, the, the Bible says you brought nothing into this world, you're taking nothing out either. You're a steward of what He's given you to be used for His glory. And if we forget that, then it can derail us from staying faithful, the love of money. The second thing that can derail you is compromise. It used to baffle me when I'd see somebody who'd been married like 30 years, whatever, and all of a sudden they'd have an affair, and I'd go like, what? What? How did that happen? But now I've learned that if you get underneath the story long before the big mom you know, momentous event, there was compromise and a little more compromise, a little more compromise. Well, it's okay. You know, I can do that. I can look at that. Whatever. God forgives. Compromise gets in the way, not just in the area of sexuality, but in, in, in any area. He was faithful over little. Listen to this. This is Luke chapter 16. He was faithful in a very little thing. This is Jesus talking. Is faithful also in much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So in other words, God's seeing if you're going to compromise in the little things. And if you don't, then you're not going to compromise in the big things. But the reverse is true. I remember years ago, I was living in Santa Cruz, California. John Mark, my oldest son, was eight years old. And he got into HO trains, which is a real expensive hobby. And so we got a paper route together. We were delivering papers so he could make some money to, to feed his train habit. And recycling was just coming on the scene. And those of you that remember back then, the first machines that came out, most of them spit money out. Now you get this little thing that you take inside and they give you the money back then. So we went to this machine in front of a Toys R Us in, down in California and he put in some, some bottles and cans. He's supposed to get $2. But when the money came out, a $20 bill was stuck to one of the $1 bills. And he's eight years old. It's 1988. And he goes, Dad, I'm only supposed to get $2. You know, like, what, what, I, what do I do with this? And I said to him, well, what do you think you should do with it? And there was silence for a minute. <laughs> and he said, well, I, I guess I should turn it in. And I said, God's going to bless you for that decision. So we went inside. We found the manager. And the guy goes, I don't even know who owns that machine. Keep it. I was a prophet. <laughs> I told him he'd get blessed, right? <laughs> Actually, I told him God would bless him because I knew that whether he got to keep the money or not, God was going to bless him because he did the right thing. He was faithful over little. He wasn't going to compromise. Now, here's the deal. In that moment, as a father, a young father, I did not think a chance to teach integrity. Son, I'm going to teach you about integrity. No, it just happened. And later on, I was reflecting, how did I know how to do that? And it just flashed in front of my mind, clear as a bell. I was walking with my dad when I was a little kid, little kid, younger than eight, holding his hand. 
My dad had these really long arms, and we're walking in a Safeway store, and there's a $20 bill in the ground. And my dad had these long arms. He scooped it up, and he said, son, let's go to the manager. And he turned it in. My dad didn't teach, he didn't lean over and say, son, I'm going to teach you about integrity. No, he just was a man of integrity. And he turned it in. And then I came across this verse, Proverbs 20, verse 7. A righteous man who walks in his integrity, how blessed are his sons after him. Wow. I thought, I am a blessed man because my dad was a man of integrity. No compromise. He wasn't going to keep somebody else's $20 bill. And it was a lot more, worth a lot more back then than it was in 1988. And he turned it in. Interesting, my dad became the manager of an entire factory. Most of my dad's career uh, was managing a candy factory. <laughs> Talk about the killer job for your dad to have. You're Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory, Billy Comer in the candy factory, right. So we were at the dentist all the time. But anyway, there was the president and then my dad. He was over all the finances, over all the employees, over the whole operation. Because he was faithful over little, he was faithful also over much. He was a man of integrity, no compromise. First thing that can derail you in your desire to stay faithful is the love of money. The second one's compromise. The third one is pride. Pride will do it every time. Proverbs 18, 12, pride ends in destruction. Humility ends in honor. So if you're doing really well right now, man, God's just blessing your business. Everything's going great. People are telling you how amazing you are. Watch out. Because success... It can be a sign of the blessing of God, but it's also a test. Listen to Proverbs 27, 21. A man or woman is tested by the praise accorded to him. God's going to look to see how you handle it. Will you give him the credit? Lord, thank you. I couldn't have done it without you. Are you going to take the credit for you? You know, I'm, I'm reading through, I read through the Bible every year. I'm in the Old Testament right now. I just finished Second Chronicles. You know, you read all the stories of the kings, one king after another king after another king. This guy did right in the sight of the Lord. This guy was evil in the sight of the Lord. His son did right. His son did evil. And it just goes on and on. Well, then you come across King Uzziah, who was a great king. Isaiah talks about King Uzziah. And he was 16 years old when he became king. And the Bible says he reigned 52 years. All right? So that's, uh, what is that? 62 plus 6. So until he's 68 years old. It's a long reign, and it was amazing. He did right in the sight of the Lord. He cleansed the nation. He got rid of the idols. He walked with God. He got the nation following God, and you're going, yes, yes, yes. This is the kind of king that David wants to be, and this is the kind of king he was. And then you come across this verse. When he was older, after he had become successful. Second Chronicles 26, verse 15 Uzziah was marvelously helped until he was strong, but when he became strong, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly and he was unfaithful to the Lord his God. And you go, no! And if you read the story, it was a disaster. He ended up with leprosy till the day of his death. You don't want that to be your epitaph. Faithful to the Lord, faithful to the Lord, faithful to the Lord. Ah, eh, I don't need him. I'm going to do what I want to do. He can follow me. I'm in charge. And see your life shipwreck. So stay faithful. Those are the three hindrances. Let me give you three areas to stay faithful in real quick, and we'll wrap up today. Number one, to your calling. So what's a calling? It's wherever he's put you right now. If you're married, that's part of your calling. If you have a child, that's part of your calling, to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, Ephesians chapter 6. Wherever you're working, part of your calling. Say, I hate my job. 
Well, you're not doing it for the employer anyway. It says in Colossians, you do your work heartily as for the Lord. You're actually serving Jesus there. He has you there for a purpose right now. Maybe you're not always going to be there, but be faithful to the calling, whatever circle he's, he's put you in because he's preparing you for the next step. He's watching you. He's molding you. He's seeing if you're faithful here because he's actually getting ready for what's next, even though you don't know what it is and you can't see it. But he's watching to see if he can trust you. Stay faithful to your calling. Secondly, stay faithful to share the good news. Faithful to the Great Commission, what we call the Great Commission, Jesus' marching orders to his church. After he was crucified, before he, he, and after he had risen from the dead, before he ascended to heaven, he said to his followers, go into all the world and preach the good news. And in Greek, it's as you are going, preach the good news. Think about it. Long before you were born, a long time ago, somebody who was saved by Jesus told somebody else, who 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 finally told you and your life was radically changed. And now it's your turn and my turn to share the good news as God opens the doors. Now you have this event coming. Good news today, August 12th. Our church at Westside, we're canceling our 6, we have a 6 p.m. service. We're canceling it because we're all going out to the stadium. What an opportunity to, to gather courage, say, Lord, I'm terrified, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite this person across from the cubicle from me or my neighbor or my guy to cuss my hair or whatever. I'm going to invite him. You don't even have to preach the gospel there. Jose's going to do it. All you got to do is you want to come to a fun event. Music's going to be awesome. There's going to be some food there. Let's go together. You have an opportunity to be used of God, to be faithful to your calling, to share the good news. It's called the Great Commission. And the last thing, and these are just three of many areas, but the three that I wanted to talk about. This last one, please, please, and this is mostly for parents and grandparents, or if you want to be married and be a parent one day, please stay faithful to your family. Please stay faithful to your family. If you're married, stay married. I thank God that, that Diane and I have stayed together for 40 years. We love each other. If you're a parent, you have the privilege of pointing your children to Jesus. I have a friend who's in this gathering who is doing that. He's in a tough situation where marriage broke up, not because he wanted it to. His wife didn't want anything to do with the Lord, and he's got a daughter, and he's being a faithful father pointing his daughter to Jesus. If you're a grandparent like I am, you get the joy of leading not just your own kids to the Lord, but being an example to their kids, your grandkids, of what it looks like to follow Jesus. That's a privilege. Right now in this season, life is full of seasons, all seven of our grandkids live in Portland, so we get asked to watch them a lot. In fact, last night, Jamark tells me, Dad, can you take the kids for two hours this afternoon? I gotta go to a funeral. I don't think the kids will like it. So I'm, I'm leaving this, and I get to go home and practice my own sermon. <laughs> but anyway, three of them, whose names I won't tell you, but they're his. Anyway, they were at our house for a whole week a couple weeks ago. We watched them for a whole week while Jamark and Tammy were gone. And you know what? <laughs> at the end, we were exhausted. <laughs> I looked at my wife, and I go, did we actually do this? <laughs> like, for years? Like... Uh, we, we decided this is why you have kids when you're young, you know. I mean, there were Legos everywhere. Like, you know, you just couldn't keep the house. There were shoes thrown all over the place and their clothes piling out, you know. And it, and it, <laughs> it, it was a disaster. 
And, and then I came across this verse in Proverbs 14, where no oxen are, the manger is clean. <laughs> but, let me hear you the rest of the verse, but much increase comes by the strength of the ox. I thought, yeah, the house is a disaster, but I'm reading the Bible to them. I'm getting to talk to them about the Lord. They're seeing not only mom and dad tell me Jesus is the way, pops and ama, that's what they call us, they're telling us the way too. Now, when our grandkids come to our house, I just want them to have the greatest time in the world. I have this thing I do, um, and they, they answer it every time I go. At pops and ama's house, the answer is almost always, and they go, yes! <laughs> now, I have to throw the almost in there, <laughs> Because, you know, ultimately, right, their parents are the boss, right? You know, so almost has to be in there. So, you know, no, you can't have 10 peanut and butter cups. You only have two because your mom says you can't have 10. <laughs> I'd let you have 10, but your mom says. Anyway, so I have a blast with them. And the house is messy, but what a privilege to pass on our faith to our children and our children's children. But what if we fell away from the Lord? Let me put another picture up here. This is my granddaughter, Scarlett. She's six years old. She's helping her mommy bake cookies in that photo. This little girl, when my, my grandkids, I wrote her lullaby. I, 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 it has like six verses now. I kept writing more verses to it. I sing them to sleep when they're really little. For years, I've sung to this little girl when she was a baby and one and two and three. And the last verse is all about Jesus. He is the Savior that I love. He is a gift to me from God above. Jesus is my friend. I'll love him till the end. I have this song I say. And, and she hears me read the Bible. She hears me pray. She prays. She reads the Bible now. What if Diane and I decided, eh, forget it. We don't believe in the Lord. Forget it. Even though she would not understand the full ramifications of that decision at this point in her life, she will one day. And it would be absolutely devastating. Psalm 69, verse 6. David says, may those who seek thee not be dishonored through me. Oh God of Israel. I don't want Scarlet to not seek the Lord because she saw her pop say, I don't need the Lord. Instead of leading them astray, Diane and I want to point the way to the Lord. Now, as we end, none of us are going to do this perfectly. <laughs> We're not going to be sinless ever. David didn't do it perfectly either. He, he didn't perfectly carry out this inaugural address, this song saying, I will, I will, I will. He didn't carry it out perfectly either. But Jesus Christ, the son of David, the one who knew no sin, he pulled it off perfectly. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6 says, But Christ was faithful over God's house as a son, whose house we are. Wow. He was faithful because he is faithful. And by the way, when he returns, if you go to the end of the Bible, the book of Revelation, you get to chapter 19, it's, a picture, it's the return of Jesus Christ. He returns on a white horse, and the armies of heaven are with him. I believe we're going to be there with him on that return. But here's what Revelation 19.11 says, he who sat upon it is called faithful and true. Jesus seated on a white horse, he who sits there is called faithful and true. And he, Jesus Christ, in his coming kingdom, in the age to come, he will perfectly carry out Psalm 101. No sin will be allowed in his heaven, only the forgiven, those whose sins have been washed away by the blood of the Lamb. He will destroy the wicked. He's the perfect mixture of mercy and judgment. 
No liars will be allowed in. No cheating. The proud won't be allowed in. Instead, verse 6, his eyes, Jesus' eyes, will be upon the faithful of the land that they may dwell with him forever and ever and ever because his kingdom shall have no end. Somebody say amen. Amen. All right. I want to be part of that faithful crowd. I want him to look upon me and I want him to look upon you and say, my eyes are on the faith of the land. You're in, you're in, come with me. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that there's a great cloud of witnesses who are watching what's going on on earth. It says, because we have a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us run with endurance the race set before us. They've run the race. They're done. I have friends up there. My mom and dad are up there cheering me on, cheering you on. They've run their race, now we get to run ours. You wanna look back one day at a life that was lived serving the Lord. You wanna look back on a life of faithfulness that you lived your life in light of eternity. You invested your money in light of eternity. You walked with God all of your life. That's what the Lord wants for you and that's what I want for you too. And that's what David wanted. I wanna close by reading the lyrics to a song that I absolutely love. We don't sing it anymore, but just sit and listen to these words, and then I'm gonna put the chorus on the screen a little bit. Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race not only for the prize, but as those who've gone before us, let us leave to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passed on through godly lives. After all our hopes and dreams have come and gone and our children sift through all we've left behind, may the clues that they discover and the memories they uncover become the light that leads them to the road we each must find. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave Lead them to believe, and the lives we live inspire them to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. Run well, run the race. Stay faithful because your children need to see you do it. Finish the race because your grandchildren will be blessed if you do. Stay faithful in the place he's called you. Stay faithful for the sake of the people who are watching you and following you. And stay faithful to Jesus, the one who gave his life for you. You will never regret it. I guarantee it. You'll be glad you did. Amen? Let's stand together for prayer. Please just put your stuff down and do me a favor. Would you just close your eyes? You know, I was reading in the Old Testament this week, and another king, not Uzziah, he stood before the Lord and he made a covenant with God that he was going to stay faithful. And then he asked the whole nation to make the same covenant, to stand up, and say, I covenant with the Lord to stay faithful. 
If you're a man or a woman here today and you say, you know what, I want to run the race, I want to finish the course, I want those who come behind me to say, you know, my dad, my mom, my friend, my sister, my brother, they were faithful. If that's your heart's desire, would you raise your hand right now, just with your eyes closed, just before the Lord? And yeah, I'm seeing it, but I want you to raise it before the Lord. Keep it in the air. You're saying, Lord, today, today, I covenant with you. Today, I want to be a faithful man. I want to be a faithful woman. I want to be a faithful husband. I want to be a faithful wife. I want to be faithful to you. And with your hand in the air, would you ask the Lord, is there anything in my life right now that's pulling me away, that's hindering me from staying faithful? And if you bring something to your mind, just say, Lord, thank you. There's no condemnation here, but sometimes God tells me, you know what? You don't need to watch that movie. You don't need that in your house. Maybe some of you, it's go home and get rid of something. Maybe somebody else is, you know what? You've been, you've been rude to your wife. I want you to lay down your life for her. Maybe it's like you need to ask her forgiveness because it says your prayers are actually hindered if you don't live with her in an understanding way. Maybe you're a wife and you've been harsh and critical of your husband and disrespectful and you need to say, Lord, forgive me for that and tell your husband I'm sorry. Whatever it is, say, I want to be stay faithful. It's practical stuff. And then let me remind you, raising your hand and saying, I'm going to do it isn't enough. I want to remind you that the power the power for you to actually carry out what's on your heart right now comes from God himself. It comes from God himself. The fruit of the Spirit, the Bible says, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. It's not against the law to be faithful. But God is faithful, and the fruit of His Spirit is faithfulness, and He lives in you. And Jesus said, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. In other words, you stay connected to me, and my gentleness will flow through you. My faithfulness will become your faithfulness, and you will be able to live out this calling by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's called walking with God. So thank Him that He's not left you alone. He wants you to stay close to Him more than you want to stay close to Him. He, he loves you like you don't even fully comprehend how much he loves you. He wants you close to him right here, right now, so he can pour out blessings upon your life. And so, Lord, we do. We want to stay faithful. We want to be faithful. Thank you that you're drawing us to you, and thank you that through the power of Christ, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. So help us to stay faithful until we see you face to face. In Jesus' name.